Nicole Brandon, and welcome to Hourglass Bride. I am so excited and so thrilled for today's guest. What a fun, fun show we have ahead of you. Today's guest is Wendy Newman, and Wendy lives in San Francisco, one of my very favorite cities in the whole entire world, so I'm so jealous and so happy that's where she is. And Wendy has led over 100 workshops about men, sex, dating, online dating, and partnership to absolutely thousands of women in the United States and Canada. And as a workshop leader, Wendy leads Celebrating Men, Satisfying Women, and Celebrating Men in Sex. And both of those are two-day workshops provided by PAX. And we've talked many times on this show about the PAX programs and Alison Armstrong and how much I wanted to bring people on to talk about the PAX programming because I just love these workshops. I think for communication, for intimacy, for everything, there's just no better work. It's just absolutely incredible, and I'm so excited to talk about that today. And also, as a dating and sex educator, Wendy leads in-person and live teleclasses, and she provides personal coaching. She is amazing. She is what one would call a compassionate fellow dater who navigated her way through 120, let me repeat that again, she navigated her way through 120 first dates before she retired her dating scar for her lucky first date 121. I love this. I think this is just one of the most incredible things I've ever heard. And out of her experience emerged this incredible book, 101 First Dates, a survival guide for the single girl, and it provides practical wisdom along with 101 short stories of her adventures on actual dates. That's hysterical. I can't wait to talk about that. And over the past 10 years, in her professional life as a workshop leader and in her personal dating life, she's interviewed thousands of men on sex, dating, relationships, as well as women. And she conducts polls, she has intimate one-on-one discussions, and she's witnessed well over 100 panels of men talking on these topics. And then you add to that all the extensive research and input from outside sources and also her good old-fashioned trial and error, and you get someone with such a broad base of knowledge in the area of partnership. She is passionate. She's uninhibited. She helps people be free in their lives, gain freedom from whatever the pressures are of the culture, and she really helps people break through the limitations that they place on themselves. She is just amazing as a communicator, and I am so thrilled, so absolutely excited, elated, jumping up for joy, full of zest, zeal, and all of those things for today's guest. Just what a spectacular topic and incredible show. Wendy, welcome, welcome, welcome to Hourglass Bride. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. Boy, I want to take you around with me everywhere. (laughs) I love that introduction. (laughs) No. Oh, my gosh. Just amazing. So I guess one of my first questions and one of the things I always love talking to people about is when you were small, you know, I I talk about it, and it's funny because I don't think I've ever talked about it on the show, but I talk about on stages all the time, that when I was in nursery school, how I would never take a nap. I would never, ever, 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 ever nap. And not only would I not nap, but... I always wanted to wake up all the sleeping children so they play with me, and they had to put me out in the yard. <laughs> and what I finally realized was that when I was four years old, I knew exactly what I wanted to do, which is to wake up all the sleeping people so they'll play with me. I just now have a platform to do it. 
and that's wow. what I'm doing now. And so did you know, like when you were a kid, were you always one that helped people in relationships? Or what, I mean, where did you begin? How did this journey, because I'm reading this bio and I'm grinning from ear to ear. I look like a little Cheshire cat if you had a picture of me right now. It's the most incredible subject I've ever heard that you went on 120 dates. And the fact that you have this history of PACS, which is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite programming in the world. So uh, where did the journey start? Well, if you didn't believe in fate, I would absolutely call it an accident. (laughs) So when I was a little girl, I was passionate. And what I was passionate about was candy. And I think I wanted to work for a candy store or own one. I think that that was my largest ambition in life. So helping others, waking people up, I wanted candy. But as I got older, I I had different aspirations. And one of the things that has been the thread throughout my career has been making sure that people have the ability to be heard, to have their side be seen, to be seen, really to be seen. And I got involved with PECS programs 11 years ago strictly by accident. My best friend said, hey, do you want to do this thing? And I'm one of those people who says yes to life. So she said, want to do this thing with me? And I said, "Uh uh-huh. Wait, what are we doing? And what day do I mark on my calendar? And at the time, I was just ending a marriage, a 12-year marriage. And I had no idea what I was walking into. But what I knew was it was two days. It was about men. I liked men. And I was sort of terrified (laughs) by men. I had done a really good job picking a man as a husband that I could easily manage. <laughs> I could not control so much, but, you know, he just was very manageable. I could keep him in check. And I wanted to do this thing with my friend because she asked me to, but as a side benefit, I'd be able to maybe learn something new so I could do better next time around. And little did I know that little two-day workshop changed my life forever and put me on a path to changing women and men's life forever, really opening up their relationships in ways that they can communicate and have intimacy like you had spoken about earlier. And when I got to the Celebrating Men and Sex workshop, I was very impacted by the healing, by the ease, by the freedom, and that was my path. I knew forevermore that was my path, and how I wrote a book about dating was a total accident. I had been on many, many dates after my marriage ended, and I realized that probably like a lot of women, how I had picked relationships was I picked the really cute man standing in front of me who seemed interested without really doing much vetting to make sure we had aligned lifestyles and goals and hopes and dreams and compatibility and personality. I'd say yes to the one who was interested And looking back throughout my whole life, every man I ever picked, excluding my husband, was not a good match for me if I would have actually dated and vetted and looked to see, are we a good match? So I decided to try something new this round after my marriage ended 11 years ago, and I decided to date. And I thought I would date like one or two. (laughs) But somewhere around 54, (laughs) I had had such a hilariously hideous experience as I was sharing it with my friends. They said, oh, you know you got to write about this, right? <laughs> so I started writing about each date 
and absolutely honoring the men on the dates, but some of them funny, some of them deep, some of them simple, what I learned, what went wrong, what I could have done better. And I didn't know. I thought I would have two dates, but I ended up with 121. That's incredible. It it really is, and, and I really want to dive into that. And but I first wanted to just back up on the PAX program a little bit because I just I've talked so much about programs that have really changed and affected my life. Mm-hmm. And sort of like you, I had somebody that said, "Hey, you want to go to this evening?" And I I ended up going to this one evening event, and I was so blown away by the information and the material, and I heard things that I honestly have never heard before. It's not Mm -hmm. like this is information that I've heard that you're saying, oh, okay. It was completely brand new and completely true, and it rang a bell inside me like nothing has ever rang a bell inside me before, and, and I was just compelled to do the weekend workshop and from that one weekend workshop I was compelled to do the queen course and then to explore myself beyond the relationships and so what makes PAX so magical what makes this work and these programs so vastly different from everything else that's out there because it is so different and it actually gives you the tools and the arsenal you know I know that be told something at the PAX weekend, and I would say, that's not going to work. And then I would go out and I would try it the next day on a man. Oh, my gosh. It was like I, I said magic words, like hocus pocus or something. You know, it just shifted and I said, oh, my God, if I, if I knew that or if I knew to listen differently or if I knew when a man says this is what, what he means. And so how would you say that PAX is different in the programs that you're leading and teaching and have come from? It, you know, are separate from everything else out there because it, it's really true, and it really once you go there, it, it, it awakens you to relationships like nothing else. Yeah, there's two parts that make it totally different. One is all of the practical application. You, like you described, you learn something, you think, ah, oh, I don't know about that. Before you can even make it out of the hotel room to get to your car to go home, you can try it out on the bellman and it works. <laughs> or you can go get gas and say something to the cashier and what we said works. And all of a sudden strangers are connecting with you and talking to you and trying to give you free things and try to accommodate you and like you'd never had men be generous with you before. And you don't know why because you really didn't do, do anything different. You did do something different. You actually took on an attitude of what we're talking about. You actually took on a new point of view and opened yourself in a way that you didn't even realize while you were in taking the information throughout the day. Very little effort is put in on your part. It's not like you, as you know, you don't leave with a to-do list. But just the slightest tweaks in how you speak and how you listen make all the difference in the world. And the second part is... The reason it works is because women are teaching women about men. Unfortunately, men have been telling us what we're teaching women. They've been telling us this our whole lives, and we can't hear it. It falls on deaf ears. And it's not that we're bad or we are intentionally blocking it or we don't trust them or, or listen to them. It's not that. It's literally in our design we just don't hear it, which is actually good news because you come here a woman 
tell a woman how a man is. And you might be skeptical, and then you leave, and then you try it out, and it works. And then in the world, you hear men say the exact thing you heard in the workshop. (laughs) And then the light goes on, and they've been saying it your whole life, and they're saying it every day after that, and it reinforces how easy life can be in that way. Do you find that to be true, too? I do. I mean, it's incredible. And and certain things, that expressions that a man will use, or the timing issues I thought were amazing, you know, learning about when a man comes home or when he takes home an hour. I mean, it just it's a different sense of time and a different yeah. sense of, and without us even knowing that. I mean, it, it, it's, it's incredible that when you see it and it happens, it, it's just, It's really life-altering, and I think that one of the things that affected me the most beyond the work, and the work itself is just, like I said, sometimes I I can't compare it to anything because I just think it's just the top notch of information out there, and once you you learn this, you never go back, and and the relationships that you have with your father, with your brothers, with your friends, with your coworkers, it changes everything. Like you're saying with the bowman, with the clerk, with it doesn't matter. Once you learn yeah. how men speak, it's. But one of the things that so greatly affected me, and I saw that it was on your bio, are the men panels. So could you talk a little bit about what men say and how that works when men come in and talk? Yeah, what's really great about the man panel is we have one during every workshop at the end. At the end of Sunday, our workshops are always Saturday and Sunday, and we let the participants get all the way through Sunday of listening to me talk, tell tell them about how men are. But when the men come, they get to answer questions that women have. And a lot of the questions that women have are trick questions. <laughs> They're questions based on, is what you said true? Is this really true? Is when this happens and you do this, did you really mean that? And you never meant the other thing that I always thought it meant? So... They get a stack of questions each, and they answer the women's questions live for about an hour. And we don't coach them. When they come, the men are given to us by women who have done the workshop before. They put in names of men they know. And we don't know them. And what we say is, can you be here from three to five, and do you love women? That's it. And they come in, and they answer our questions, the women's questions in the room, and by the time they leave, it really seals the deal for the women because it validates everything that I said all weekend. And even the language that I use comes out of the men's mouth. The words that I use, the phrases that I use to teach women how to connect with men, how to get a man's attention, are the same words that men are using on stage. And it's hilarious because, of course, they think, you coached him, but we don't. <laughs> because... How we got our information, how we got our two days' worth of programming for celebrating men satisfying women and two days for all the other programs, three days for Queen, how we get all of our information is from men. started with Alison Armstrong asking the question, what if they have a really good reason for doing that thing they did, that thing that a woman would never do? <laughs> what if he has a good reason for that? Why would he do that? And then listening, and she started with that very simple question, why? Why do you do that? And as they began to explain how they are and why they did it, their answers were never anything that we could predict. 
and it was fascinating. She thought she'd have men all wrapped up in about six weeks when she started studying them, and that was twenty over 20 years ago. So we get our information from men, but like I said at the start of the call, we as women instinctually can't hear it in a way that's powerful until you hear it from an, from another woman. Or at least that's what we found in our workshops. Women have come into our workshops knowing that they didn't have the tools that they had when they left. I think it's so profound. It really is. And I know I was absolutely riveted and fascinated and humored. I don't remember laughing and crying simultaneously at, at any point in my life the way that I did when the men were on stage. Yeah. Because it, it does something to you inside, and it opens you, and I think especially for people that are getting married or in relationships or even people that have been in 25-year relationships that are looking to deepen their love, and we have a lot of listeners here who have been married three and five times and they're looking to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they want to know it's different. And so... I just think that these courses that you're teaching are, are so, so, so important, and I can't think of a better tool. And, you know, we have Valentine's coming up. And mm-hmm. if there is any man in your life that you love, or if you are interested in having a Valentine and a future with a man, I, I can't imagine a better gift to yourself and loving yourself than taking these classes and taking these courses. So I just, you know, would highly recommend that people find you and, and we can talk about how to do that, but it's truly what a wonderful way to be able to, if you do love somebody, love them in a better way and in a deeper way. And if you're looking to love somebody, what a great way to be able to find the love of your life and certainly what a great gift to yourself. So I just, it, it's amazing. And, and so you took the class. Somebody dragged you to this class, and you said, oh, okay, I go everywhere, I do everything. And you took this class, and you sat there, and your jaw hit the floor. And then once you picked your jaw up off the floor, how did you end up facilitating teaching? Because that's a huge step up the ladder to say, okay, not only did this change my life, but now I'm going to go teach this to thousands of people in several countries. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had no intention of ever leading a workshop, ever. And I started working for the company right after we did that weekend together. My best friend and I took the workshop, and we were asked to come volunteer, which we did. And right off the bat, people were at, it was a much smaller company then. People around campus started saying, hey, we like you two. You might want to think about doing production and management. <laughs> so I was a workshop manager, which is the hardest job there. That's, um, they're in charge of all the production and everything that ever happens during a two-day workshop. They're responsible for everything, including all the participants' well-being and everything, except for the one thing they're not responsible is what comes out of the leader's mouth, which is sometimes their problem, too. But (laughs) (laughs) So I did that job for a couple of years, and I loved it, and I, I loved the back of the room, and I had no intention of moving to the front of it until I heard the two, back then, the two celebrating men and sex workshops leaders bickering over Neither of them wanted to travel anymore, and nobody wanted to fly to New York. At which point, I smacked both of their arms as hard as I could, put my hands on my hips, and said, I'll go. It's a privilege. You should love this workshop. It changes lives. (laughs) It's the most powerful thing I've ever had in my life. Don't, Don't bicker over New York. 
and they cracked up and said, we were waiting for you. (laughs) So I started training to lead Celebrating Men and Sex, and in order to do that, I got to lead the introductory two-day workshop Celebrating Men, Satisfying Women, which is a requirement to do the graduate workshops, which is Celebrating Men and Sex as a graduate workshop. And I love it. I love them both. Okay. It's a privilege. So, I mean, I could just see you with your little hands on your head, so I could just see what about me? So mad at them didn't want to fly to New York to lead a workshop, change women's lives. <laughs> That's fabulous. That is so funny, and I'm so glad that you did that when you did that. And then, so then you went on a journey to with all this arsenal and information, and you were going to meet a man. Is was that the intention that you were now going to take all this guru fabulous information, and you were going to try it out or you were actually looking for the love of your life? Well, I I'm a I'm a couple person. I don't do that well being single, which is kinda of hilarious because I spent almost the last decade in some state of somewhat single. <laughs> so I thought, well this is great. I'm I'm a PAX woman now and I have all these tools and I'm amazing, which I am and I'm gonna find a man and it's gonna be perfect and get married and it'll all be over in five minutes. The whole hunt, the whole hunt for the man. And and yeah, this time I'll date and I'll vet and I'll make sure he's the right partner now and forever after. And uh yeah, it took me more than two. It took me more than two dates, turns out. Which by the way did any of those dates become second and third dates or were they just Oh absolutely. Absolutely. I had, I had relationships in there, I had long term dating in there, I had multiple friendships in there. We got we covered the whole gamut in there. So I know a lot about all the different stages and I'm telling you, by the time I got to one twenty one I was on my date with him, and when I learned that I was his first date in 25 years, and I could tell, and he could tell that we were probably going to end up together, I wanted to smack him. <laughs> because he says, I don't understand what all the fuss is about with dating. You just you just go online, and you do a profile on the same day. You meet a pretty girl, and you go on a date, and then you're with her. What? <laughs> Now, when you went out with him, were you thinking this is just 121, or did you know right away this was different? Just other than the fact that he hadn't been on a date in 25 years, did something feel different in that hello or in that moment? It did feel different, and I didn't trust my intuition because he was the newly divorced guy. Mm. And I had enough jaded experience to know what the newly divorced guy meant. But luckily, I have a whole bunch of different tools and distinctions to help women understand if they meet a newly divorced guy, which one is he? Because men are going through various stages depending on what kind of a divorce he had, and some will just break your heart and totally not mean to. And others can handle it. Others can handle going on one date and being done or however many dates he had to go on to meet you because you're the one he picks. So it just depends on the man. It depends on what happened 
in his divorce, I give women all kinds of different questions to ask him, not even covert, even direct if you'd like, to sort out which one he is. But, yeah, so I didn't trust it in the beginning only examples? because of that. Can you give us some examples of what, what those questions would be? Well, I'll give you an analogy. So a man who was deeply affected by a divorce, whether it's his first or his 15th, if it was unexpected, if he got the rug pull, or if he was in massive, massive pain and it was unexpected, what happens is they go into a deep, dark hole. They go into the cave. They go into a deep, deep, dark hole. And they're thinking about coming out. They start to date when they're not ready. Start talking about coming out of the hole. And they meet you. And you're delightful. And you're wonderful and you're warm and you're kind and you're a breath of fresh air. And he's so glad to meet you and he's going to spend time with you and he has nothing to give you. Nothing. And the problem with that particular flavor, and again, there are many questions to ask around this, but that particular flavor will accidentally use you as the ladder to climb out of the hole. And when he gets on dry land above, he looks around and says, ooh, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, what a beautiful world, I'm off. And he doesn't think to take the ladder with him. Um, it happens. It's called a rebound. Great analogy. That's a great analogy. Yeah. So I help women figure out which one you got if you've got a divorced man on your hands. Because on the other side of that, if he's not that guy... If he's had time to grieve, if he's had time to process, if he knew the marriage was over before it was over for the last 10 years, if he's been grieving that marriage for 10 years and he's kind of done, it just depends on his stage. You've got a guy who is, he might have a little bit more healing to do. That's that's fine. He can get that done. You can be his friend and or his partner while he goes through it. And this guy knows how to commit because he already did. If he's got kids... He's got a, a very deep level of commitment already, so you don't need to worry about that. He also doesn't have the fantasy of happily ever after. And he also can, which is good, you know, he has a, a better grip on what's needed in partnership instead of a fantasy. And hopefully he learned some lessons about what he did wrong, and he learned some lessons about what she did wrong that he can help prevent happening with you in the future. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I look back at my 12-year marriage and there are things that I did at 22, things that I said that I would never say now. Not mean, just not particularly supportive of a a committed relationship and thriving love for each other. It was 22. Like that. That's incredible. And so this guy that you went out with, so he was recently divorced, but he was in a different stage. He was in the, it had already been over. He, yeah, he, it had been he, over for quite a time. He, you, you knew he was ready to be open. Yeah, I mean, we didn't, you know, seal the deal on the first night or anything. <laughs> we went through a, a dating process, a courtship process, before we had our 
ceremony and moved in and all that. So we, we took time to do all that. But yes, uh, I just kept breathing into this could work. And it did. Oh, that's so amazing. That's so exciting. And then in the same process, I, I have a question for you then as you're talking about men that are recently divorced and go into these deep holes. I've found, and it's kind of been disturbing to me, but yet I know that there's some sort of, I know that Alex and I talked about, there's some sort of psychological thing that men that are recently widowed very often will get remarried again very quickly. Mm-hmm. And do you know why that is? Yeah, recently widowed and also recently divorced um, because they have been married and they know marriage is good. Fundamentally for them, it's better to be married than be a single guy. So it's not necessarily I want to replace my wife, but it's I appreciate the companionship model and must have that again. I will find a different version of that. Yeah. Because that's always astounding to me when you look in, you know, the same way that you would think, okay, somebody needs this long grieving process or alone time, and very often that's not what happens. Very often that's the person that's ready to really be in a deep, committed, loving, wonderful relationship with somebody. Yeah, and you can also see this a lot in our culture in seniors where she'll die before he does and he'll remarry someone within six months and the whole family's mad, the whole family's upset. Well, it's it's not because he was just waiting for her to kick off. It's not because he didn't want to be, you know, he was disrespectful and didn't want to wait. He just knows that that companion model works for him. He appreciates what a woman provides, and it's too painful to be without it. So he'll go get that again. I mean, we're delicious. Think about it. We're pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a question about the workshop. So at what stage does someone take, I mean, does somebody send their teenage daughter? Do you go with your kids? Do you go with your staff? At what point should somebody find you and find this work? Well, it really is for women 17 and up. Um, What we have found is women, you would think that if we got the younger women, younger the better, in there, it would change our point of view and they wouldn't have to struggle the way that we have. And that's probably true. That's probably the case. But what I personally have seen is the women who are most impacted by the workshop are older women. And when I say older, I mean older, the older they are from the other women in the course, the more impacted they are. So a 35-year-old will get a lot out of the course because, you know, let's face it, at 35 we've been knocked around the block a couple of times. (laughs) We can't trade on our looks like we could at 17 and get what we wanted to and do the things we did and get away with the things we got away with because we were 17. You know, life happened. And by 45 even more so. And by 55, not only have you had more disappointment in life and more adversarial relationships with men, you're faced with trying things that don't work over and over and over for decades and decades. So you get a 70-year-old woman. I've had a woman in my course who was 86. Oh, my gosh. She she came into celebrating men satisfying women because she 
her husband died and she was in uh in a retirement self um care place where you can get on with your you know independent living situation and she was going to look for her new husband and she wanted to get it right this time <laughs> i i had a, a woman in the course in her late 80s who who uh, celebrating men and sex who was celebrating her 50th anniversary that weekend and had the best romantic most connected sensual weekend of her life out of being in that course I love at that. that age oh my gosh i absolutely just cherish and relish that and i mean it's brilliant and i know when i took the course and i don't know I can't speak for other women, just from my own personal experience. I was so mad at myself because there were things that I have said, like you're saying, for years or things that I have done for years that I now realize the effect that they had on men. And I'm so sorry. Like you wish you can rewind and go back and say, I never should have said that or I never should have done that. And so how do you deal with that, you know, the beat myself up (laughs) syndrome? (laughs) Yeah, we uh, we use a lot of humor in the course to try and help that, to try and help that as women are healing through what they can see that they've done in the past that just didn't work. And we remind women that we are all really good women doing the best we can with the information we had. And our trainers were our culture, our mother, our mother's mother, our mother's mother's mother. The way we have been, the way we listen, the way we talk, it's all instinct. It's not wrong. It's not bad. It can be slightly ineffective. One of the greatest tools we teach women is how to listen. And how to listen to a man is very different than how to listen to a woman. How we talk to each other is great. How we listen to each other is great if we're listening and talking to other women. Not so much for men. They'll either glaze over and check out or you'll only get the surface some of the time when you're looking for depth. And we, with some slight tweaking, teach women how to get the depth of their craving. And there's just so much, not shame, but just sadness over what got missed, what got missed through all the years before that that could have been different if you had known it earlier. And you did the best you could. You know, you live in our culture. You used your own instincts. You were trained by your very good trainers. And we've found something that can change that. We can, we found something that can change it in a way that you can be effective with men. And we just never had access to it the way we get at it before because we didn't have a woman for 20 years <laughs> getting all this information and collecting it from men in a way, putting it together in a way that women could actually hear it for the first time. I love that, you know, we learn the use of words and what people say and what they hear and how they... One of my favorite lines from all-time movies is from the movie Yentl. And there's a line in there where she says to him, you look pensive. And he says, no, I was just thinking. (laughs) It's such a great line. (laughs) Well, how many times have you asked a man, how do you feel? What does he say? Fine. Fine. That's not what you're looking for. Yeah, we actually teach you the words to use to get the answer you're looking for that isn't fine. Yeah. So I love that. And then you and then you accidentally 
with all of this information, wrote a book. How does somebody accidentally write a book? <laughs> I know. There are people that, like, I should write my life story. It's, it's a, a lifelong wish and journey to write a book. How does one accidentally write a book? Well, in April of 2010, it was bad date 54. And I ended up writing about it, and I put it on a little blog and sent it out to all my married friends because I thought it would help them stay married, which it does. <laughs> and it was hilariously funny, and they encouraged me to start writing, so I started writing all of my dates. And I never anticipated it was number 54. I never, ever anticipated going to 101. But somewhere around 60-something, I realized, oh, I might not get a man Maybe I just get a book. So I kept writing just the short stories, the dates, the actual dates and the short stories. And the here's where I totally killed it. Here's where I did a good thing. Here's where I did a bad thing. Here's what I would do over. Oh, man, I, I should have left in the first five minutes on this one, and here's how I would have done it now in hindsight, how I could gracefully get out of that date in five minutes or less. So I started writing all that out after the short stories. At the very end, it's what I did wrong, what I did right, like that. And at the end of talking. it... Yes. Sorry? No, go ahead. At the end of it. Oh, at, at the end of it, I went ahead and wrote 1 through 53, because I had them in my calendar. I knew who they were. I went back and wrote them. So now I had 101 short stories, and with my training at PAX programs and 11 years of knowing who men are and how to relate to them and how to be great with them on top of all of the things I learned about dating and online dating and friends with benefits and the whole ball of wax. I wrote a comprehensive how-to practical application, <laughs> practical wisdom, how to date with grace, how to keep standing when you just wanted to sit down, when you wanted to quit, when you wanted it to be over. And literally, when I wrote the book, I had not yet met Dave. I finished the book in March, um, and I met him at the end of February. So I didn't, I didn't know as I was closing it up and getting it edited um, that I would meet him. And in fact, had to go back and rewrite the whole thing <laughs> to, from is to was right <laughs> from the single point and uh so i had to go back and re-edit it as someone who was in a relationship and and uh we went for, and then of course i included our happily ever after story and went from there oh, that's it's such a wonderful story i was talking to somebody the other day and i was telling her about your book and about your work and mm. she was telling me that when she was on this horrible date and that she was the um, went in through one door and went out through the bathroom or something, and there was they were on a pier or something, and that she dove into the water. That she they were like beach attire. They had been on the beach that day. She dove into the water, and she swam on this pier to uh, the shore. And it was nighttime. And when she got to the shore, somebody said that was so brave. And she said, "What jumping off the pier? The pier wasn't that far." And they said, no, you know, there's been all the shark alerts and that you swam in the water. And she said, 
that she didn't know she was swimming in shark-infested water. She was just trying to get away from the sky. But if we think about what we've done to escape, you know, uh, the bad date or the, 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 the wrong moment, or and, and I know I was talking about this last week. We were talking about Honeymoon Forever, and I was saying that, as a writer, because I, you know, I've written all these books, but as a writer, every time I meet a man who says something horrid to me, I'm always so excited because I always think, gosh, I never would have come up with that on my own. <laughs> Such a great, <laughs> great material. I'm so glad you said that to me because I didn't even know men like existed. Now I know a whole new character. So, uh, you know, so I'm always thrilled. So I love and that you wove them into a story that you can teach women and share with women and make people laugh. And I love that it has a happily ever after to it. And, you know, and what a journey for your man to have mm. met you after you have been through this incredible journey. What was that like for him to have a woman who's so versed in listening to a man and seeing a man and communicating in that way? Well, it's a really good thing that he loves an oversharer. And <laughs> if he had been a private man, one who wouldn't really like, you know, his private life looked into too much, I probably wouldn't have been a good match for him. And I'm sure it was quite off-putting to some of the men that I dated once they found out. And it's usually something I didn't lead with on a first date. Uh, it's not very sexy to tell someone that they're first date number 87. So <laughs> I usually never led with that. And if I had more than one date, usually by the second or third date, I would disclose <clears throat> who I was and what I've been doing as a hobby. Um, it, it did put some men off, and luckily Dave is, is the right match for me. I mean, we're he's the he's a male version of me. We're a lot alike, so he's fine with that. That's oh, he's that's my so biggest great. cheerleader. I love that. And then, Wendy, how do people find you in your workshops? And you said that you do teleseminars. Can people do it online? Do people come to work with you? And I know that you work in several countries. Can they Skype you? I mean, I know how talented you are. And this information, like I said, is the best information out there. And so, you know, so how does somebody give us your information and blow down oh, sure. all of the Thank ways you. that we can, all these women, I'm sure, are just biting at the bit now saying, give me those words that work. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, the actual book is not out yet because I've been tortured by trying to I'm in I'm agent hunting. So I'm being silly. I'm trying to do the old-fashioned publish get publishing house route versus self-publishing and boy, if I had self-published it would have been out last year. But um yeah, so I'm still working on that and in the meantime I couldn't wait anymore. People were asking me, women were asking me for help and they wanted the information now. So I ended up creating a couple of different classes and and now I finally have the formula that works for me and for for women it gives them enough of what they need and it's an 8-week telecourse so you can be anywhere and if you miss a call you can listen to the recording later. I also sell recordings of the class, but it's not the same at all. The class is interactive, and you can ask questions, and there's homework, and there's much more to it. Plus, you get 40 minutes one-on-one -on -one coaching with me on the side, and the class is um, an hour and 15 each week if you're in the live class. So I do live classes. The eight-week course um, can be found on 101dates.com. 
And if you're the type of person who you're a consumer, you just want to listen like a book on tape instead of participate like you would in a workshop, then you can just buy recordings on that site as well. You could do either depending on what your style is. If, you, if you're a reader or a listener, recordings are good. If you're a participator and you want to get in there and get intimate and close and, and do homework and all that kind of stuff, then take the class. Yeah, that's great. Great. And, then are you still leading the, that's great. and then are you still leading the live workshops as well? Yes, yeah, Celebrating Men, Satisfying Women, and Celebrating Men and Sex. To see my schedule, I am. you can go to Wendy Speaks, like a dog, woof, wendyspeaks.com. <laughs> that shows you everything I do. It shows you what classes I'm leading, and it gives you, if you want one-on-one time with me because you need coaching, you can just book it right there online. That's just incredible. And, and, you know, and as I was sharing, I noticed a difference in the relationship, in all my relationships, with my father, with my brother, with my business colleagues, with some of my closest male friends, and even my female friends, because they would notice my relationships were different with their sons, with their husbands, with their... It's, it's changed so much of my life and I'm always impressed and amazed that it transcends in different countries. You know, that, that you would say, then respond to this word and then I would try that word in Italian or I would try that word when I'm in France and use that same word and it it works. It's, it's not a cultural thing you're teaching. It's a man communication between men and women that you're teaching. Yeah. And that, to me, is astounding. I've never seen that anywhere. Yeah, and it, it very much forms, for, I'll speak for me personally, it very much formed how I relate to men and how I love men. And I don't know, I don't really know, because, like I said, I have been so immersed in this work for the last 11 years, it really is who I am as a person. So I can't distinguish me from that work, that body of work. But I don't know if I would have been willing to go on 121 first dates with men if I didn't love them, if I didn't know who they are, if I didn't know who men are for women, if I didn't have the attitude that I have about men. I don't know if I could have done it. I think I would have thought they were all jerks after a while. So I think the background that I have actually had my life be possible and luckily in the book i help women be more efficient so they don't have to do 121 <laughs> i wrote the book that you can take what i took one for the team they don't have to do some of those things that i did wow Wendy, we have a question for you hold on one second let me bring somebody on i love watching people type and i love watching people come on as well and, and ask what's in their heart and their journey. Let me see. Dun, dun, dun. Hi, Jay. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you. Hi. My pleasure. So are you familiar with this work? Because, for, like I said, for me, it was life-changing. Yes, I am familiar with the work, and I am waiting patiently to get the book However, since she's on the show today, I have a question because I am having a challenge in the dating arena. I'm ready. 
Okay, so there's this guy I like, and I've been dating him for the last two months, and my challenge is he does not like to plan our get-togethers. He wants them to just naturally unfold, and what ends up happening is I end up not seeing him on the weekends because my friends will get to me before he does, and I end up seeing him during the weekday, and I'm beginning to get a little frustrated and just wanting to leave. And I think I need to have a conversation, but and I have. I just don't know how to go about it in a way that he can really get the importance of uh, uh, planning versus if you're busy, if you're not busy and I'm not busy, then let's get together. So that's my question. How can I get him to see the importance of planning a date versus letting it naturally unfold? Very good question. I'm going to answer your question, and I'm going to answer it in a way that it could be for different stages for everybody. Okay. So if you're newly dating, which two months is new, but you're new enough you can have a deeper conversation than where I'm going right now. But if you're newly dating and you're in that really frustrating place where he waits till the last possible second or it's Friday and you want to make plans for the weekend, and I'm sorry, we get done planning by Wednesday. Would really like to know by Tuesday which night or day we're saving for them because then we can plan the rest of our life with our friends, right? So if you're in that spot where you're dating someone newly, it's been a couple of weeks, you could actually say, hey, my dance card is filling up. Do you want me to save either of the days, Friday or Saturday for you or Saturday and Sunday for you? We don't have to work out the details. Just let me know what to block out of the calendar. Or I'm starting to get invitations to things. Do you want to save any of my time? Now, a couple months down the road, if you're two months down the road, you might want to have a conversation because it sounds like you've already started having that flavor of conversation. So I would just have the conversation with him, a very direct to the point conversation in the kindest way possible is, I love spending time with you and I actually want to spend time with you on the weekend. Spending time with you on the weekends makes me really happy. And unfortunately, because you're so casual about it, my so can we not have such a casual structure for the weekend? We can stay casual in what we do, but let's not be so casual about the time that I need to block out on my calendar so I can save time for you. I want to make sure I have time for you. So I would come from the point of view I want to make sure I have time for you instead of when do I get to see you next. Did that help? Absolutely. And and in that answer, I feel free. So great. Yeah. And then you could wing whatever it is you're doing, whether you make a plan to go out or stay and watch a movie or whatever. That can all be loosey-goosey. But at least you have your time blocked. And you're not sitting home on a Saturday night because you thought it was for him and your friends already went on without you. That's annoying. And we've all done it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank Thank you you. so much. That was an excellent question. I mean, not just for yourself, but for all of us. I so appreciate that question because I think we've all been in that position. So, really, really wonderful question. Wendy, what a terrific answer. Thanks. So that's great. And I also know that, you know, you talk about the different stages that a man's in. 
And that's even helped me, even with my little nephew, who's 13, and learning how to deal with a boy compared to somebody who is, you know, in a different stage in their life and, and a different way to look at And, and so, so much information is just, it's such a great arsenal to be able to hear and listen and learn and open in a whole new way. Yeah. Yeah, the different stages of development and where men are through their adult years can have women understand what a man can provide and what he can't. Because often we try and get things out of a man, our man, whether it's someone at work or our husband or our partner or someone you're dating, you try and get something that he's just not able to provide. But at a different stage in his life, he'd be able to provide that. So it just depends on where he is. We always tend to think, oh, I just can't get that from him. He doesn't want to give it to me, maybe because he doesn't love me enough or care about me enough to give me what I need. No, it could be something else entirely. And once you can see the different stages that men go through and you can look to see where the men in your life fall in that stage, it makes it really easy because you know what you can get from them, you know what you can't expect from them, so you're not beating your head against the wall and taking it personally. And you find ways to work around it. That's what well, about workability? I love that word workability. It's, I mean, it just all of this information, all of, it, it is such an incredible wealth. It really is. And just the answer that you just provided, because I care about you, because I want to make time for you, because I want to spend time for you, you know, I want to make sure that I have that time for you, you know, and, and making the man important instead of wrong. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, and, and just learning how to do that, learning how not to shoot somebody down for their efforts or for trying or forgiving or for the way in which they communicate because their communication skills on the other side might be the same as yours. They might have had the yeah. same teachers you've had. And so in with a, with a deeper and a greater understanding of that. And so I just i am so appreciative of you taking time today and coming on with us. And I so love that you have found true love through this <laughs> process. And I'm so in awe and so humored by the girl with her hands on her hips saying, what about me? I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) And not only can you teach it, but you have hit it out of the park. I mean, that you are just across the board. You can tell even just with the one answer, you just get to Jay, you know how to do this inside and out, and you know how to share this information, and you know how to communicate with men in a way that's really going to make a difference and unfold in the late and take our relationship to the next level of deeper intimacy instead of stopping it and halting it. And I just, I'm so thrilled that you're you and that you are teaching all that you are teaching and how lucky these thousands and thousands of women are and how lucky these listeners can be to find you. I just, I, what a fantastic way to start the year and what a great gift that you have just given our studio audience before Valentine's because you really, you know, have the keys and the answers and the clues and the secrets to communicating and finding love and deepening love and having a happier and healthier relationship with your partners and with yourself. So I just, such a joy to have you here with us today. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. 
and tell us once more how we find you. 101dates.com for the book and the workshop, the eight-week workshop. And if you want to find out more information about where I'm leading classes and if you want personal one-on-one coaching, you can find me at wendyspeaks.com. Perfect, Wendy. Thank you so much for being with us. Everybody race, run, jump, fly, take these classes, take these courses, find Wendy. It is truly, I can tell you from personal experience, the best information I have found. Wendy, thank you so much for being with us today. Such a privilege. Thanks, Nicole. My pleasure. And we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And as I said, this work changed my life and you can talk to all of the men around me and they will tell you that uh, the way I listen and care and understand is at such a deeper level and it's really this work is just incredible and magical and can deepen your heart broaden your horizons and change your relationships forever in only the very best possible way so so glad Wendy was with us today we thank Wendy Newman and so many exciting people we have coming up for you deeper love and intimacy how sexy you're going to learn all about how to have those relationships that you've always wanted the passion test we have Chris Atwood talking about the passion test I'm so absolutely blown over thrilled by that and we have so many exciting guests lined up for you so we wish you a happy, marvelous, incredible Valentine's, and that if you have true love and you are stepping into love, may every, every dream and wish come true. And if you are looking for love, may it be right at your doorstep, and mostly the love that you should always find is a love for yourself. And we wish you all the most incredible week and the happiest of Valentine's. And again, a very special thank you to today's outstanding guest, Wendy Newman, and Dating 101. And look forward to seeing you next week. Nicole Brandon, Hourglass Bride. Happy Valentine's.